Welcome to CIBC Mellon Industry Perspectives, a podcast series that brings you developments in the Canadian securities industry and potential impacts facing CIBC Mellon clients and institutional investors active in the Canadian market. I'm Adrian Ercolani, Senior Relationship Manager at CIBC Mellon. Thank you for joining me today. During a recent CIBC Mellon update call with our clients, Ron Landry, Head of Product and Canadian ETF Services here at CIBC Mellon, hosted James Buron, Co-Founder and President of CASA, the Canadian Association of Alternative Strategies and Assets, in a discussion about the current state of Canadian alternative investments. In this podcast, I'll give you a brief synopsis of that conversation and play some clips from Ron and James as they discuss liquid alternative investments. We'll start off by hearing Ron provide an update on the status of the market since 2019. Although there has been significant growth in the liquid alts market, as Ron points out, the figures would indicate that the growth rate to this point has likely been less than some had hoped and shares some thoughts on why this has been the case. Current size of the market is about $14.3 billion with 40 issuers, which is four new issuers since the year end of 2019. We have about 186 funds, up 98 funds or 111% since the end of 2019. From the number of funds, we have seen growth in equity and credit uh, mostly, which seems to be in line with the general market trends. The multi-strat has been the largest percentage increase in assets or has seen the largest percentage increase in assets for the 147% since the end of 2019, and it's currently sitting with $3.3 billion in AUM, second only to equities at $6.8 billion. What is interesting is there's been no new multi-strat products launched since the end of 2019. And though we've seen growth in the space, it has not been at a pace I think the industry had it hoped for which is a combination of strong equity markets throughout the pandemic, the number of traditional assets adding liquid alts to their products suite has been much less, and the transition of hedge fund managers to regulated funds has also been much less uh, than anticipated. Canada has a lot of sophisticated asset managers and investors uh, that are keen to keep pace with the shifting market, identifying opportunities in market demand. We have not seen a significant demand which we believe is because the managers are either uncomfortable with managing liquid alt portfolios, they don't have the in-house skill set and need to find sub-advisors. Hedge fund managers find the regulatory environment expensive and not seeing the demand for their products within the liquid alt framework. And markets have performed very strongly, and one potential result of that is the stronger demand for traditional offerings over liquid alternative offerings. Let me now play a clip from James as he shares his observations in the market and gives a bit of an overview of where Canada stands with respect to the alternatives market. Here's James' clip. If you look at a chart of the AUM and the industry, it, it had a pop. It, hit, it went over $10 billion back in March last year, just when, you know, when the pandemic was hitting. And the feedback I had from managers that, that saw that in their funds, they were like, well, normally hedge funds, as many you know, you, you're buying you know, your subscriptions, redemptions, your subreds are on, on a monthly basis and you get notice and all this. And it's a little bit cumbersome to get in and out. But for liquid alts, you can buy it one day, settles T plus two, you could technically sell it the next day because most of these things are daily settled. So they had a, a big inflow. Um, it went a little bit down the next month, but um, 
the numbers continue to rise as we go through this. And it's the brokers who have the multi-hundred million or trillion-dollar books, and they sprinkle a little of it in, and then somebody down the line hears about it, and they go, look at all this, what's that? Oh, anybody can buy it? Okay, let's go. And then, then it gets to the rookies, you know, who are just coming out of the training programs. And so that's typically how a lot of things work. They learn from the people that have been there for 10 or 20 years. So that's just continuing. And uh, like to, to many others, like I thought it would happen a bit faster because these things are mean variant, you know, dominating, uh, especially in a crisis. Like you mentioned, during persistently uptrending markets, they're not going to typically do as well, but there is a good air break when things are going not so well. And especially with credit, because, you know, interest rates are doing their thing. If you can go zero duration or negative duration, that can help in a rising interest rate environment. And you just cannot do that with a bond fund unless you're going to accept zero return and negative after fees. So it's been, been interesting to see. What's some other trends here? Well, the multi-strat, I mean, half of the money in that is from one fund that has really ga- gathered a lot of money. Um, and it's actually a cousin of, our, of CIBC. Uh, you know, so they've, they've done really well in, in having a very kind of all-weather fund that people have just said, okay, this looks like a good place to have as a, as a core in my, my portfolio, maybe, or at least as a, a core-type satellite. So it's like dripping water, and eventually it comes, people come around. And uh, the numbers do one thing, and the, the actual what happens in a, in, a, in a bear market is another where they can see the, the value come out. ETFs are about $1.2 so only about 7.5%. I thought there'd be more of that. Uh, because they're really great for family offices to pick up a piece versus having to go through an investment and investment advisor. They can just buy it on their brokerage account. But, uh, you know, that, that, that structure is available with the alternative ETFs. So, as you've heard, Ron and James agree that the performance and interest in the liquid alternatives market over the last couple of years hasn't been overly impressive. Although James did touch on some key points that would see the industry continue to grow through new strategies ease of trading, more widespread broker utilization, and overall market conditions, among others. In this next clip, James offers some further thoughts on alternative ETFs. Do you think the lack of uptake in ETFs is just simply the structure of liquid alts making it a little harder to make more transparent markets and keeping the spreads as tight as they need to be? It, it does lend itself to a lot more liquidity. They can trade kind of whenever they want during the day instead of having to settle at the end of the day like a mutual fund. But yeah, maybe there'll be some advances in that and how the how the, the TRS, like the total return swap baskets are created. I've also seen a lot of foreign interest in Canada over the last while, not necessarily because of this or anything, but I think immobility has led to a lot of digital mobility. So people are willing to take calls and, and talk about things that are in different areas of the world that they typically wouldn't, do, wouldn't even look at. James next shared his thoughts on the regulations in Canada, touching on the general willingness of the regulator to look at exceptions, which would help additional managers enter the space and increase the overall interest and investment in liquid alternatives. Here's that clip. When we looked at the regs originally, like I say, like God, was it, eight years ago now, uh, the first thought that came to my mind was this was ours to kind of to mess up. Like this is this is really good looking regulations. It allowed quite a few managers and types of strategies to get in. It's not everybody, like you you couldn't do managed futures necessarily, although there are managed futures that do have exemptive relief. Um, and so that that, that, that stuff is, is actually pretty good. Like the end, end of the exemptive relief side, like the, the securities commissions have specifically said they're open to proposals for exemptive relief. So if you, if you want to do something that's outside the scope of what the rules are, they basically say, please let us know. We'll take a look at it. If there's a reason to do it, if it's good for the invest for investor interest, then why wouldn't they allow it? 
So there's that. Um, I think you haven't seen you've seen the large mutual fund complexes do it. So it's kind of a tale of two cities. You have the mutual fund shops, which is there's a few big ones, and the, many of them have liquid alts, and uh, some of them don't. And then you have the hedge fund shops, which some of them are very much purist. They're like, listen, I'm doing my my trade here. I'm in maybe in illiquid markets. I'm not going to open up. I don't want to worry about you know doing these these filings and such. I'm just going to do what I'm doing. I, I don't need to have, get get that liquid, liquid stuff. That's fine. But as you see that mindset in some change, like we, there was a smaller manager with less than a hundred million, and they started up a liquid alts recently. And when he was doing it, I said, "What? Like, really? Like this is going to be expensive and all this stuff?" And he said, "Listen, everybody's doing liquid alts. If I'm trying to sell an offering memorandum product to someone that would buy liquid alts a lot easier, I should have that liquid alts in my quiver ready to go." Uh, and it becomes. Uh, and like as I say, it's like water on the stone. Eventually, the water wins. And finally, Ron and James discuss some of the benefits to Liquid Alt issuers with regards to distributing their products, and also what's next for the Liquid Alts market. I guess that the Liquid Alt firms now seeing finding it a little easier to get in front of uh, advisors to get it on the shelves versus the traditional OMS. Well, the nice thing about it is that you're not considered high risk immediately. And so that's that's a game changer. Like if you can get in this even medium low or me, medium high, medium something like that, then that that's fantastic. And we have quite a few conversations with the gatekeepers at, at the bank owned any independent firms. Uh, we have a few other initiatives going on with them as well. And and they're, they're kind of saying in, in some cases, you know what? If it says medium, we're good with medium. If that's because the, they use standard deviation from the IFIX score, and they'll maybe bump it up a bit because of the optionality, you know, the path dependency of the returns versus versus stock market uh, or, you know, uh, long only funds, but they're, they're fine with that. And then suddenly, instead of being a high risk chunk in someone's portfolio, where if you have a conservative investor, maybe you can only put 5% or 10% of this thing in there. Uh, maybe you could do and then make maybe one or two positions. Maybe you can do three or four if it's a medium, considered medium risk. And then you could have of a hundred thousand dollar portfolio, thirty percent of it is this versus like five, um, because it is a mutual fund. It has the same fund fund fact sheets. It falls yeah. under the same legislation. So, kind of what's the difference? Uh, except that the returns are generally lower volatility, different return stream, uh, and then the correlation benefits, which you know we've we've been we've been talking about for for decades. So. Is there any new trends that you're hearing members talk about as they're they're looking at new product sets to bring out that maybe falls out of traditional equity or, or credit? And there haven't been a lot of new funds. I've seen a few close over the last little while as well, uh, where they've uh, you know probably not not been able to gain assets. It's like it's like any sort of business if it doesn't work, then maybe yeah. maybe it's not working for a reason. I thought market neutral would have a lot more in it, but it's sitting you know at about eight percent about a billion or so of assets. So yeah. it's not uh, not as much. But what I thought originally, too, would make sense. Like long-short equity, easy to explain. Multi-strat actually has done better. But I think it might be because of that one fund, which is doing extremely well. Because multi-strat, how do you explain where you made money and where you didn't make money? Because there's so many things, like 14 different strategies yeah. happening within that one fund. So originally, uh, quite a few foreign fund managers came in thinking, okay, we can sub-advise these things because we have a great track record. But a lot of the, the Canadian shops, the distributors said, you know what, we've got in-house talent. We can probably figure this out. 
they sidestepped the problem, which was on most product people's minds when they came out, that you'd have a long only manager start to short. And as you, as you all know, in the, your long book, your problems get smaller. Yeah. In your short book, they get larger. So it's good that we had people that didn't mess up the, the trades. They had a lot of experience doing this. You know, they were already trading OM funds. And they just made an easy transition. Almost some of them exactly the same strategy and portfolio that they're using in their liquid alts. Some of them had to tweak a bit, but we haven't had any kind of trading or operational problems where they were just didn't know what they were doing, uh, which is nice. So I think it just kind of continues on from there and just keeps growing the assets. The assets, except for that one bump after it went up in March and down, down April, it just is like a continuous line going up. As we've heard, although slower than probably initially expected, the Canadian liquid alts market has been consistently experiencing upward growth in recent periods. And with more and more providers entering the space and taking advantage of the unique strategies, the regulations and exemptions allow them to offer, this is a trend we can likely expect to continue. Thank you for listening to CIBC Mellon Industry Perspectives. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and learned more about the Canadian alternative investments landscape. For more information, including CIBC Mellon's latest knowledge leadership on issues relevant to institutional investors active in Canada, visit cibcmellon.com.